Green Dream, a podcast about ethical investing for positive impact and a better future. Join me, James Baird, as I interview fund managers, advisors, and a range of leaders in sustainability about topical environmental, social, and governance issues. We look forward to joining you on your ethical investment journey. In Ethical Investment Week 2022, we're highlighting the important work that's been done behind the scenes to create positive impact and improve corporate behaviour. So in this episode, I'm talking to Alex Hillman, a long-term client and ethical investor who works at ACCR. The Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility are a philanthropically funded shareholder activist group. Self-described as a corporate watchdog, they believe that limiting global warming to well below 2 degrees is in the interest of shareholders. Their mission is to deliver changes to the strategies of major listed companies in Australia and globally to decrease absolute real-world emissions in line with the best available science. They do this through research and shareholder advocacy. In this discussion with Alex, we talk about Woodside, Santos, Origin, BHP and AGL, and also how investors can get involved in making a difference with shareholder activism. Alex has spent over a decade working in oil and gas, including five years as Woodside's climate change advisor. This has given him an understanding of the energy transition, LNG business models and technology, asset and company forecasting, climate policy and climate reporting. Since starting work with ACCR, he's developed a keen interest in how climate change should be included in financial statements. I hope you enjoy this special Ethical Investment Week discussion with Alex Hillman of ACCR. We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we recorded on, the Wadandi Noongar people. We pay our respect to them and their culture and to elders past, present and emerging. Alex, welcome to The Green Dream and thanks a lot for joining us. Yeah, hi, how are you going? Good, thanks. So tell us a bit about your background and, and your career and how you ended up at ACCR. Yeah, so I'm an engineer by training. Uh, I spent over a decade in oil and gas. A lot of that time was with Woodside uh, working in their climate team, or I was their climate team to start with, but as that built up, I stayed with them and got, got a fairly frustrated trying to you know, encourage Woodside to better understand climate change and be a bit more aggressive in the transition. Uh, and so a year ago, I left Woodside and started working for um, ACCR, so Australasian Centre for Corporate Responsibility. And what we do is we're a philanthropically funded uh, shareholder activist. So we, you know, kind of, kind of like a corporate watchdog. So we keep an eye on what large and medium companies are doing and saying about climate change. And then we engage with their investors to, you know, to encourage their investors to demand that these, these companies act. And so what does a t- typical working week look like for you these days? I'm not sure there's, there's much that's typical, really. You know, maybe, maybe this week, for example, this, this week was a fairly high intensity week. ACCR's calendar is, is largely um, driven around company AGMs. So one of the one of the ways that we have influence is we, you know, we turn up to annual general meetings and we file resolutions. So, you know, we'll have something that we think the company should at least respond to or, or do. Uh, and so as shareholders ourselves, as ACCR, we, we file a resolution in concert with at least 100 other um, shareholders. So, so with, with the AGMs as, as a big focal point, um, we, we've got a couple of AGMs coming up, um, Origin Energy, BHP and uh, South32 and a few others we're paying attention to. And so we've, we've filed resolutions on Origin and BHP and we've prepared briefs for those, for our resolutions and what those companies have said about climate change. And we're currently going through and engaging with their uh, institutional shareholders. So yesterday, my team and I were on a call explaining what we thought about Origin climate transition climate transition action plan uh, and, and also the resolution that we've raised uh, around better incorporating their 
climate risks in their financial statements. So yeah, it's a couple of weeks or you know, maybe even a couple of months to kind of build up that work. And we're kind of in, in that home stretch now where, where we've, we've done all the thinking, we've done all the work, and we're starting to communicate it. So just tell me the basics. I hear about this origin resolution, and uh, I want to get involved. I don't own any origin shares. What do I do next? How do I get involved? So under Australian, under Australian law, in order to file a resolution at a, a company, you need 100 different shareholders or shareholders that own up to 5%. So for the companies that ACCR engages with, we, we don't have 5% of any of those. So what we need is 100 individual shareholders. Technically, they can own a single share. Yeah, but there's, there's no bottom limit. But so as long as they own one or more shares, then collectively those 100 shareholders can, can file the resolution. So ACCR keeps a registry of, of interested retail shareholders who are happy for us to use to, to co-file with us. And so, yeah, any anyone who, who directly owns shares can can log on to ACCR. So just just look at the shareholder hub, um, and you can fill in your details uh, and register your name for us. And then, if if we are going to go file a resolution, we'll look through our shareholder registry. We'll find those shareholders with shares in that specific company, and then we'll get back to them and go, "Hey, this is what we want to file. Do you, do you support that or not?" So there's there's always an opt out. But yeah, that's the general gist of it. Just register on the share ACCR's shareholder hub. So register on the website and. You don't charge that shareholder any fee for that work that you're doing basically on their behalf. Yeah, so, yeah. No, so we're all philanthropically funded. We're independently funded. Um, it's just an opportunity to leverage those shares that you have in those large amounts. So it sounds like you welcome donations. <laughs> we do. Um, we pay the yeah, bills. Yeah, as, as, as a separate issue, we, um, yeah, so you can donate as well, either, either um, tax deductibly or, or non-deductibly. So it's a case of filing resolutions, engaging with those companies, doing research and you've got a, a, a range of different team members, I guess, with different skill skill sets. And your skill set is oil and gas, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So having done, you know, both strategy roles and climate change roles at Woodside and, you know, time at BP as well. So the, the oil and gas sector is something, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, especially how it can transition and the risks that it faces with a with the um, energy transition. So yeah, that that's my contribution. But yeah, with like ACCRs, yeah, it's it's an amazing organization to be part of. There's a whole bunch of very diverse skills. You know, our CEO is an international corporate lawyer. You know, my boss is an ex-consultant. We, you know, we've got a, a petrophysicist, you know, lots of different skills. It's a great team. Do you feel like Woodside are making progress? Uh, I think Woodside's making insufficient progress. So, you know, I was right in the heart of Woodside as, as it was coming to grips with these, these issues. When, when you have a look at where their strategy is at the moment, it's they, they've said very explicitly that they have no plans to stop developing oil and gas. Uh, and I think it's crystal clear, International Energy Agency, IPCC, you know, any authoritative global institution has said that there's no room to develop new oil and gas. So Woodside said repeatedly at their annual journal meeting that they have no plans to stop. What they have done, as I said, for their direct emissions, their scope one and two emissions, they're going to keep on going as they as they normally do, except by a bunch of offsets. And then for their customer emissions, their scope three emissions, they're going to keep on going as they as they are. So, um, but also invest a little bit in hydrogen. So when when we crunch the numbers, their hydrogen investment, what they call their new energy investment, was twelve percent of their capital um, for the twenty twenties. So even if they were winding down the oil and gas spend, you know, only allocating twelve percent to new energy. Uh, we, we see it as insufficient. So uh, Woodside is definitely not doing enough to to work towards a safe climate. Yesterday in the origin discussion, there was a range of scenarios shown climate change 
anywhere from the, a targeted 1.5 degrees, I guess, upwards. And, and from that, you it's, it's pretty clear how difficult that would be and, and I guess difficult dealing with uh, the amount of revenue that companies like Woodside, et cetera, are making from fossil fuels currently. But in, in another way, it seems like ACCR has been having some some wins in recent times and just winning maybe maybe the war isn't won yet but just winning some little battles can, can you explain a couple of those wins and i guess how important they are for your work yeah of course so i think when you step back emissions maybe in the last couple of years they've plateaued you know there was a little covid dip um but they've, they've uh, recovered you know people are talking 2022 may actually be the highest emitting year so when you step back we're not fixing the climate crisis you know like emissions need to go down Rapidly, they need to go down dramatically, and that's not happening. Um, in, in as much as ACCR is engaging, you know, Origin Energy is a really good example. So last year we filed a resolution um, along with you know over a hundred shareholders uh, asking for Origin to reallocate its capital in a way that's consistent with a 1.5 degree climate outcome. So Origin's board did not support that, um, but their institutional, their entire investor base, uh, 44% of them did support that. So it wasn't binding. You know, Even if it was 50%, it wouldn't be binding. But it's a really strong signal is, hey, Origin's board, even though you think this is a bad idea, we still think it's a good idea. And as your owners, you know, that, like, clearly they would listen. To. Um, and so this year what you see is that they've they've divested, they've sold part of their largest their LNG facility, uh, and they've announced that their Australia's largest coal-fired power station that they own will close seven years early. So it was going to be around for ten years. Now it's going to be around for three years. So there's there's dramatic moves in the shape of Origin's portfolio and um, how they're allocating their capital. Uh, so even though you know I don't think they've admitted that that was that was entirely due to us, and and obviously there are lots of things happening in the energy space, especially in Australia. Um, so there's lots of moving bits, but you know I think it's it's fair to say that ACCR played a part you know in, in that shift of shifted direction. This year as well, we filed another resolution. You know one of the things I was involved with at Woodside was was climate change reporting. So I did emissions statutory emissions reporting, and I did lots of voluntary reporting and sustainability reports and so on. But I think most people understand that climate change isn't just an ecological and environmental risk, it's a financial risk for a fossil fuel producer. So despite that, it's it's quite remarkable how brief the coverage of climate change is in financial reports. So a financial report is meant to give you know, a true and fair re- representation of the financial status of the company. These companies, their owners, regulators, governments, uh, lots of other stakeholders agree that climate change is a financial risk. If financial statements are meant to show the financial status of that company, then they need to include all the financial risks, and that's climate change. So despite broad sweeping expectations from many stakeholders for this to happen, uh, it hasn't been happening to what ACCR thinks is a sufficient level of detail. So we filed a resolution with Origin and another one with BHP that are basically the same, saying we want these companies to disclose not yeah, to disclose what would happen to their portfolio and to their asset base if the world followed a 1.5 degree scenario. So we're not asking them to change their assumptions about what will happen. We're just trying to, we're just asking for them to disclose what would happen if the world did follow this path. Origin, we, we, we had that chat to Origin a few weeks before they released their 2022 report um, and financial statements. And from very little evidence of that climate change is considered in 2021, in 2022, they did a reasonable job. So just in a couple of weeks, they, they, they came a long way. And then they issued their notice of meeting for the annual general meeting about a week later. And in that, they effectively committed to doing the full job from their next, from next year's. So, you know, even though they said they didn't support our resolution, they basically said they'd comply with it. Anyway. So 
as of two days ago, we actually withdrew that resolution. So at, at Origins AGM this year, there's going to be no opportunity to vote on this sensitivity, this climate sensitivity in the financial statements, because effectively Origins have already agreed to it. So, you know, that that's that's the sort of thing that that is a win. You know, we don't need a vote. Um, we want to change companies' behaviours, um, you know, using investor and shareholder power. And talking about closure of coal-fired power stations, AGL just came out with an announcement this week as well. Yeah, so that that's... A, Probably the strongest example that I'm aware of of where investors have had a massive climate climate win. So you know we, we went central to all of that, but we've we've been following it closely. And so you know Mark Concanon Brooks, he's 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 put his money where his mouth is. He's put he's bought 11% of the company. He's, he's challenged the strategy that they had. He what's the word? You know advocated against a, a demerger of the company. Um, and so now the the, the cleaner bits and the and the coal bits of AGL are going to stay together. He challenged the um, position of the CEO and the chair. The CEO and the chair have left. You know, it, it's it's turned into a complete shambles because this this company AGL was pursuing a business as usual path, and then an activist shareholder with enough money to to have some force and some influence has come and, and basically reset the strategy. So it's really powerful. And then and then today, as you say, um, AGL uh, has have announced they're accelerating the closure of their coal fired power stations by by a decade. So they'll close their last coal fired power station by. 2035, um, by our calculations, that's 190 or 200 million emissions. So when you think like the average Australian emits 20 tonnes of per year, you know, this one decision that got announced today of 200 million tonnes, it's a gargantuan impact. It's wonderful. And that's all, all down to shareholder, shareholders using their power as owners. Yeah, it's a great result, great case study. We've been talking a lot about greenwashing, I guess, in, in our industry and it's still rampant and uh, investors are trying to maximise their positive impact and trying to avoid greenwashing at all costs. How's ACCR involved in trying to prevent greenwashing? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of in everything that we do, all, all our climate work, like we're not 100% climate, but yeah, most of what we do is, is is around assessing climate. You know, there one one thing, for example, when Woodside's climate change plan came out last year, they, you know, they presented how they perform financially in different climate scenarios. And then they presented it using this metric called free cash flow, so this, this accounting metric. But free cash flow isn't company valuation, so it, it, it has an indirect impact on shares. So what we did is is we recal- we took their numbers and we recalculated them and presented them as, as a valuation impact. Um, so we, we got to articulate the data in a way that was transparent. So you know that that's one of the things that we do an awful lot is, is get companies' disclosures, analyze them, pull them apart, rebuild them, um, and then yeah, present them to investors and go, this is what's actually happening. Another thing that we're in the middle of at the moment is is litigation. So yeah, so we're we're, we're likely to um get get involved in more litigation over time. Uh, this, this particular case is against Santos. So based off their twenty twenty one climate change report, they they made some statements which we allege were misleading or deceptive, uh, including that they had a clear and credible plan to achieve net zero emissions by twenty forty, and that gas is a clean energy. So we. We have challenged that in the Federal Court of Australia um, and we're going through that process. So, yeah, like our outright litigation. I'm sure a lot of investors would look at their superannuation fund, I guess, and expect that fund to be aware of these issues, maybe on top of these issues and maybe making key decisions around whether the clients of that super fund would, would like to be invested in these in these mm. companies that we're talking about. How do you think that relationship is is currently working? Like are we... Are we making progress on on that front as far as the uh, the governance of, of super funds, or do you think there's still a long way to go? 
from what we see as ACCR, institutional investors almost seem a little bit timid in using their power as owners. So as owners of company, they they literally appoint the board. You know, the, the people in charge of these companies are appointed by these owners. And it's an extremely powerful position. But what we see is lots of soft conversations. And, and we really, really encourage these institutional investors to be much firmer with how they engage with companies. And, you, and you'll see fairly large discrepancies between, you know, the policy priorities of a superannuation fund, for example, and the behaviour of a company. Uh, and we think that there's a lot more that institutional investors could do to change the behaviour of these companies. And then we, it, it's not to say that they're all like that. You know, Hester has had a role with AGL, which has been really positive. You know, Mark Concanon-Brooks as an institutional shareholder has obviously been fundamental to that as well. You know, 44% of investors voted for our resolution with Origin last year. So so we're, we're definitely seeing uh, some positive contribution, uh, but, but we see a huge amount of space for much more active um, and forceful engagement from these shareholders. So ACCR's research that incorporates who's on the board of directors of these companies and I guess who's up for nomination? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So typically an Australian director is going to have, have a job for three years um, and then then their, their seat will uh, expire. So yeah, and they, they're likely to be re-elected or at least put themselves forward to re-election. So you know, yesterday when we were speaking about Origin, you know, there's one director in particular, Mr. Greg Lalica. So he's, a, he's a, a director of the Origin Board. He's also CEO of Hillside Energy in, in the US. So Hillside isn't the US's largest producer of oil and gas, but it is their largest producer of methane emissions, um, and they're extremely CO2 intensive as well. So we, we broadly supported uh, Origin's climate plan, and we think with a 1.5 degree, degree aligned climate plan, what you don't need on your board is a director who oversees America's most methane intensive oil and gas company. So, so we've recommended that Origins investors vote against his re-election. Sounds like one of those jobs where you'd be trying to do yourself out of a long-term career in this sort of work if you're successful in uh, achieving <laughs> goals. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be great. I would. I would love to be able to look my kids in the face, yeah, and tell them that don't worry, Dad's going to have to find another job because we fix climate change. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Looks like you got your work cut out for you for for a little while longer. So is there anything else that we can do as investors to, I guess, support the work that ACCR is doing and, and support this remit of, of being active investors? So the, the most direct thing and in some ways easiest thing is is, is to get onto the shareholder hub and, and to register direct shares that they own. You know, we, we also have, have shareholders uh, registered through the hub who have said they're willing to go buy um, stakes in companies if we need. So sometimes when we Focus, start focusing on a new company, we, we, we might not have 100 shares uh, or 100 shareholders. So people can offer to go you know, on, a, on a case-by-case basis. They, they might be willing to buy additional shares. And then I think just actively engaging with the institutional investors. I, I think, you know, the super funds and, and the, the fund managers, you know, they're, they're organisations that are probably stretched a bit too thin. They're trying to do a job, um, but they've got massive competing priorities. And I, and I think making sure that your priorities are known to them is 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 really useful. So you know, it's probably not something a lot of people do, but actually just speaking to your your fund managers directly, you know, even as a mum or a dad, clicking an email uh, or something like that, just just making your voice known that this is something you care about. This is something you want to see reflected in the mandate of your investment. Yeah, like we always say, contact your super fund, write them a letter, or drop them an email, give them a call, because if they're not getting that feedback directly, then they're not taking. Yeah, any yeah. 
Yeah, and and we we know from speaking to them that um yeah they're they're aware of that sort of thing. They don't just gloss over. It does it does get it. exactly. So when you're not solving the problems of the world, what what do you get up to in your spare time, Alex? Yeah, so I, I don't quite work full time. So we co-parent. My wife and I have two kids. Great fun to hang out with them. Um, and a lot of exercise nowadays. So I, I took up trail running a couple of years ago. So I've, I've had an injury. I've been nursing for about six months, but I think I'm finally over that. So time to build up, build up the running caves again, which I'm really looking forward to. Good time to get outdoors with that spring weather. Yeah, it's lovely today. Great. Excellent. Thanks so much for your time, Alex. Really appreciate it. And I'm going to provide the links to the shareholder hub and the work that ACCR is doing on the podcast notes. And uh, we look forward to following you on uh, ACCR's journey. Thank you very much, James. Thanks for listening to the Green Dream podcast. For information on the ways that we can help you on your ethical investment journey, visit www.justinvest.net.au. Please keep in mind that the information contained in this podcast is of a general nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. You should consider obtaining personalized professional advice from a licensed financial planner before implementing any significant financial decisions. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Green Dream acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people.